Welcome on to the Backstretch. I am News 5's Heather Williams, and the Daytona 500 is in the books. What an amazing weekend of racing. First of all, the crowds were outstanding. I've been going to this race since 2017. Easily the biggest crowd that I've seen at a race since I've been covering it, obviously. I've been covering NASCAR much longer, but my first 500 was in 17, and it was pretty insane. It was pretty intense, and it was also pretty great to see Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in victory lane. That team and Ricky, they're like the little engines that could. They're just like not quite total underdogs, but definitely smaller staffed, lower funded teams. Tad and Jody Schechter have been in the garage area longer than I have and really just worked very hard to to get to where they are. It was great seeing them in victory lane. Great to have Brad Doherty as a Daytona 500 winner. And Ricky Stenhouse, I mean, what can you say about him? Such a good driver on the big tracks, on the super speedways. All of his career wins have come on those kinds of tracks. And he's been really good there. And he's been really close to winning a 500. And he's had some bad luck. And he's one of those drivers who kind of felt like the track owed him one. And he finally got his 500 this weekend. So, That was really great to see. So coming up this week on the podcast, we're, of course, going to have our weekly conversation with Chris Carrier. And then also we're going to talk to Todd Gilliland. This is a conversation I had with Todd uh, prior to the 500, prior to the announcement that he wouldn't be running the full season. So if you kind of catch that in the conversation. That's why. But I still love talking to Todd. He comes from a racing family. Obviously, his dad, David, was really good on the super speedways. Uh, a, a pretty good driver. Short career. Got into it kind of, got into a seat kind of later in life than a lot of people. But great family. Great racer. Uh, I'm excited to see how Todd can develop uh, over this season. I know that it's going to be rough having to get out of the car for, uh, I guess it's six races that uh, Zane Smith's going to drive the 38. But uh, Todd had some success last year, especially on the road courses. So exciting season for him. Well, I'll stop talking right now and let's get to it. First of all, Daytona 500, unbelievable finish. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. gets the win. Talk about just the race, but then also just the fact that Anyone can win this race, small, single-car team wins, and what that means for the sport. Well, I, you know, we're, I am personally, and my team is personally, you know, connected to that thought because it's a single-car team. It's not a mega team. There's not four teams every week that come out of that shop, and they're not got a hundred engineers sharing notes and all that stuff like that. It's a smaller group of people. Now, it's, to that extent, no. They have technical support. They've got alliances, but still, it's... They didn't have anybody they could look around and say, okay, that's my teammate, he's gonna push me. You know, so to me, it made, that part of it made me very happy and very proud, and I think it's great for the sport. Plus, the owners of that team, Tad Geschechter, Tad and Jody Geschechter are wonderful people. They're good human beings, and I think that Brad Doherty, who is the other part of that, it fits that too. I think he is a down-to-earth, good human being. And um, I think it's just, I think it's good. You know, Ricky Stenhouse has been around a while. He's 
He's took a lot of uh, criticism for this, that, and the other, and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, he did everything he had to do. And he, he drove good enough. He made the decisions that he had to do that he and his team could win the Daytona 500, man. And nobody will ever take that away from him. So, you know, good for them and good for this sport. And it was a sellout crowd to watch it. So all good. I know that other people weren't happy about it. And, the, the, you know, the speedway racing, what always happens, people get wrecked that could have won the race. That's just part of it. It's going to be that way forever. And some are going to be happy about it. And most are not going to be unhappy about it. But it's just what it is. Well, to that extent of unhappiness, a few people were unhappy about not finishing under green. Right. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I feel like you can't just keep trying to finish and finish and finish and finish and finish, no. finish forever. Because at a speedway, especially, you could keep wrecking until the, until there's no cars left. So, yeah. you know, do you think this is the best way to determine the biggest race of the year? Well, I'm, let me say this. I, from past experience down through the years, I can tell you this. We cannot be racing back to the green flag. Okay. Is, is there something that could be uh, predetermined that we could say, okay, in a, in a situation like that, this could get very complicated, but maybe we could race back to halfway down the backstretch. Now that would work at Daytona and Talladega, but what are you going to do about Bristol? You know, so uh, this is a difficult thing, but the bottom line is we can't race back to the start finish line. That, that is, that's going to get somebody killed. Okay, that's not an option. Um, like you said, it, we can't just keep having green, white checkers. Good Lord, we'd still be there if there was any car rolling. You know, uh, I don't think that would be a good idea either. What the, the situation is, what the rule is now, is what the rule is now. Would NASCAR, you know, just adjust it a little bit? Maybe to have a little bit more... Uh, have, maybe have a little bit more of a predetermined, okay, we're going to race to this point. If the crash is, is, is in this section of the racetrack, we can race to this point, and that's when the race ends, you know, to where everybody knows where they're racing to. To me, that would be maybe the only adjustment to think about. But now that's, again, different racetracks, that's, that's going to be pretty difficult, you know, to say, okay, you, what works at Daytona and Talladega and Fontana and maybe Michigan and so on is not going to work at Bristol or Martinsville or Dover. So is there something there? Maybe, but some people probably a little smarter than me is going to have to figure out exactly how to make it work. And I think the drivers would have to be involved in that too. They would have to say, eh, I don't think that's safe because in reality we can't get slowed down in this amount of time. Uh, right now I think the call they made was was to the rule, to the current rule. So Ricky Stenhouse is the winner. A lot, you know, other people could have won the race, had faster cars, this, that, and other, but the fastest cars don't always win the race. We know that, and that's what makes it exciting. If the fastest car won every race, it'd be boring, completely, 100% boring. You'd have 10 fans in the stands. So uh, I think what it is is what it is, and I think it's part of the excitement of what, and the uncertainty and uncertainty brings excitement. 
But the way the Super Bowl is now and the way the schedule works out, the schedule at Daytona was super condensed. Yes. And the drivers had to jump in the car for qualifying and for the duels without any practice. Is it time for NASCAR to maybe think about how that week goes, push back, it'll, you know, Daytona a week, something? Did the lack of practice affect qualifying and the duels, or do you think that it was fine the way that it is? Well, they, you know, we used to go there and be there 12 days, you know, and that was financially, that's, that's a nightmare. And to be honest with you, after about my third trip to Daytona, after 12 days, I was like, I've had enough of Daytona for three lifetimes. You know, that's hard on the crews, it's hard on the teams, and so on and so forth. They're, they're, fine, they're making this to where they're, they're trying to condense all the schedules because it's easier financially on the owners, on the teams, and easier on the work schedule. Now, is it a little bit too far at Daytona, in my opinion? Yeah, a little bit. I think they should have been on the racetrack before qualifying, you know, a little bit, and give them a time to where, okay, now you're, you're going to be practicing. You're not going to have any more for the duels. You're going to get maybe an hour and a half before qualifying, and there you are. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts, you know, when you think about traffic control and safety equipment and safety people. I learned this a long time ago. I had a lot of discussions with David Hoots, which, which you know, made all these schedules for years, hundreds, thousands of races. And he pointed out some things to me that opened my eyes to say, hmm, man, that's not just two or three phone calls, that's like two or 3,000 phone calls just to move a day. So it was a little bit much at Daytona. Was it a little bit too condensed? I don't know, probably a little bit. I think the drivers and the teams would have liked to have had a little bit of practice before the qualifying and especially before the duels. That, that would have been probably well welcomed, you know, and then I'll be honest with you, after the duels in between that and the Daytona 500, <laughs> I'm sure most of those teams would say, just, we don't need to practice anymore. Cut it off, because a lot of them didn't practice anyway. So uh, could, that, could that be rearranged some? Yeah, probably, but I, I don't know. I'm, again, I'm not the one to, I'm glad I'm not the one making those decisions, but I think it's food for thought. You know, food for thought. Um, go to Fontana this week before we talk about the race. The future of that track is so up in the air. They are talking about making it a short track. Now that may not happen. It may fall off the schedule altogether. What do you think should happen at Fontana? Well, I mean, personally, Fontana's never been a favorite of mine. It's a, it's a long trip for all the teams. It's not the greatest of areas, in my opinion. Um, it's, it's a hard racetrack. The drivers, though, most of which I think really like it because it's challenging to them and it's not just a cookie cutter racetrack. It's very bumpy. The asphalt is very worn out. The tires fall off very quickly. They're in there, you know, driving, turning the wheel both ways and they're still going pretty fast. So I think the drivers would, most of them would kind of like to keep it. Now, if it was, if they moved the racetrack to maybe Knoxville would probably, you know, Knoxville or maybe Mooresville or somewhere. I'm sure everybody would want to keep it. But, you know, we've been saying we want more short track racing. There's not real easy answers for that. 
because if you think about how many facilities are able to run, short tracks are able to run a NASCAR cup race, Xfinity race, even truck race, that narrows that, narrows that down a little bit. So, you know, they're talking about making a half mile there. I, I don't know what all the restrictions are, what are the limitations, but uh, I think for now, they just have to play it out and see. I, I, would the teams rather go to a half mile track out there Probably. Would it be more popular, more viewership? Maybe. The drivers, I'm not so sure what they would like. And it puts puts Fontana and NASCAR in a pretty pretty tight pickle, you know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if eventually if it doesn't change it if eventually it just goes off the schedule for something else. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think that's a definitely a possibility. All right, so as the track stands now how how do you race it? What's the key? Whew. It, it is a tough place, and over the years it's gotten tougher and tougher. I don't want to say worse and worse, but track conditions are, it gets you know it gets bumpier. The asphalt is worn out. There's a lot of cracks. There's a lot you know just a lot of uh, damage to the surface, and what it makes for is really really good racing because they'll they'll run all the way down on the apron, like all four tires all the way down on the apron, especially through three and four, and some will run right up against the wall and some will run, you know, in the middle. It's, it's a fast racetrack, so you have to think about aero, but you, you just have to think about mechanical balance, trying to get a balance, because those cars are gonna fall off so much over a tire run and get so, so slow that the guy that has the most, quote, neutral car that he doesn't have to saw on the wheel so much is gonna be able to run much better lap times than anybody else. And that's, I guarantee you, there's been a lot of simulation testing. There's been a lot of engineering decisions going on before going out there. I think now the weather looks bad, so they may not even get any practice. Um, the guy that has the best balanced car is gonna win the race. So I, I think you gotta deal with that and then Man, it's hard, like the shock package, the tires are always an issue because of the bumps going down the back stretch and the, and the tires and wheels take a beating, the tires take a beating. And these, remember, the Cup Series don't have interliners. So there's, you know, there's gonna be a decision there like how low do we go on that air pressure? Where is that razor blade fence that we cross over to not have an issue but yet get the most grip? Uh, Going to be a lot of sweating going on that race, a lot, a lot of fingernail biting during that race uh, to see if we blow out tires or not. Thanks for joining us today, Todd. Yep, awesome. Thank you for having me on. Uh, so, first of all, how has the off season be been? I know that uh, you recently got married, and uh, so what's what's been like for you? Yeah, this has been a really good off season for sure. It's been busy to, to say the least. You know, just. Lots of work to do before the, the next season starts and, and even honestly trying to figure out, you know, the details of, of everything coming up. So um, it's been a lot of fun and you know, we've been working hard, like I said, and uh, getting married was definitely, you know, a really good point. And uh, it's probably gonna be a tough off season to beat for that <laughs> aspect. Um, I, I saw on your Twitter, too, that you uh, you put out a tweet out there where you were ripping off the rookie stripe. How does it feel to uh, to get rid of that and just go charging into your second full season? Yeah, it, it does feel good for sure. It's uh, you know rookie seasons are tough for sure. It's uh, I think you just get thrown a lot of stuff that honestly you didn't even know what to expect, right? So 
um, along the way, you just try and learn, take it all in. I think for the most part, um, we definitely wish we had some better results last year, but um, still a lot of good, good opportunities for us this year. And, and like you said, without, without those yellow targets on the rear bumper, I think um, with all the knowledge we've learned, I think we do do much better this year. For an outsider looking in at your team, it looked like the second half of the team, you really gained confidence when you started to go back to some tracks and, and went to some tracks to maybe fit your driving style a little bit better. You, you started seeing the results on the, on the, on the track. Do you feel like in the second half of the season, you guys started to get to a point where you're really starting to show up and be competitive at races? Yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, I would say that's true. Um, definitely took some time to, to get used to everything, get comfortable. Uh, and honestly, even, you know, from the team side of it, learn the new race car. Um, it's tough, like even come down for a pit stop at the beginning of the year, no one really knows what the right change is. So you kind of, you know, give it your best guess. And then you kind of see right down in your notebook for the future and, and kind of move on. So um, I think going back to the places for the second time was definitely much better for, from a setup perspective, as well as for me knowing what's going to happen. And um, yeah, I think, you know, I think the same can be said this year as, as a whole. Um, coming from a, a family, a racing family, obviously uh, your dad was really well known in, in NASCAR for especially his super speedway racing. Does that put more pressure on you uh, come, having a recognizable name in NASCAR coming into the sport? Um, I don't know if it really is, is pressure as much. Um, you know, honestly, I think it's just a great opportunity, right? To, to have a name where people will come up and talk to you and maybe you don't have to at least I've grown up around, you know, racing and, and know a lot of people that um, are still in, in, in the industry today. So um, I think from that side of it, it's really good. Maybe from the fan side, you know, there's some guys that maybe like or don't like my dad as much that, you know, maybe have the same feelings towards me. So, um, but I, I think it's all been great. It's, uh, it's really cool to, to be able to race in, in the same car that he did back in the day. And, um, you know, the same one I, I grew up watching for, for a lot of years. So, Rookie season's behind you. We're going into the sophomore year. What's what's the expectations? What 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 does this team want to do this year? Yeah, I think you know I think we just need to compete more consistently. Um, you know, there was races last year that we had really good speed, and then races where we were just way off in left field. So um, I think my goal is to to be able to get up to speed faster at these racetracks in practice. We have a short twenty minute practice now, so that's pretty crucial to, to how the weekend goes, and then. Um, you know, just have more speed week in and week out. I think that's the biggest thing that, um, you know, the more you're up there, the more you can capitalize on, on other people's misfortune and, and you know, hopefully get some really good finishes. So for my final thought today, of course, we're going to talk about Fontana Auto Club Speedway and what might be in the future for that track. I have not felt real good about the possibility of this becoming a short track. First of all, I'm not 100% sure that it's going to happen. Um, the report came out, I guess, on Friday that they were that NASCAR had sold uh, a good chunk of the property around the speedway. They think they want to build a high half mile high bank track, sort of like Bristol, which to me also, you know, is some cause for concern. Trying to replicate something as iconic as Bristol will either work really well for them and it'll be a great success or it will be a great failure because people have so much high expectations or so many high expectations when you hear the phrase Bristol and racing in a sentence. 
And so I'm afraid that if the racing isn't as good as it historically has been at Bristol, that a lot of people might end up disappointed in what's going on in Fontana, and that could hurt that track tremendously. But again, I'm not even sure that once they tear down this big intermediate two mile or that the mile and a half or that the half mile is going to even go up on site so i guess we'll see it's it's sort of sad end of an era a track that hasn't even been around what 40 years a track that drivers really like a track that was coming into its own with the next gen car i mean i don't think it can be understated how good the racing was last year on the intermediate in on the intermediate two mile mile and a half tracks and now you're taking one of those off the schedule so sad weekend We'll see how it goes. I'm sure there'll be a lot of pomp and circumstance and excitement. If the weather cooperates, it looks terrible for the weekend, but we'll see what goes down, and we'll see you next week on The Backstretch.